we're going to continue the series in the last days, the second volume. The first volume uh, that we dealt with, we dealt with all the key events as revealed in Scripture that have already taken place in the earth and are currently taking place in the earth. In this uh, particular volume, we're looking at the key events that must still take place in the future. Now, these events can take place in a relatively short space of time, but if we look at on the whole and all of the key events as revealed to us in Scripture that must take place before our Lord Jesus returns to the earth, it seems very clear that um, uh, it would be very difficult for all those events to be fulfilled in the lifetime of the generation that is on the earth today. Um, and so it, it seems to be that it is the generation still to come that will experience the return of the Lord. But nevertheless, um, we go through these uh, points because uh, it's good for us to have understanding of these key events. And also, a lot of these key events will unfold in our lifetime. But certainly, there doesn't seem to be any um, clear evidence in Scripture that these key events will be fulfilled in this generation's lifetime. So in the previous teaching, we touched on the key event of the two witnesses. And obviously, those, um, that particular key event takes place just prior to our Lord Jesus Christ returning to the earth. For they uh, minister in the earth in the last three and a half year period, during the same period that the Antichrist will reign on the earth, for his three and a half year period. At the end of uh, their ministry, at the end of the Antichrist's reign, that is when uh, the church will be then taken out of the earth, and the, power, uh, the, the wrath of God will be poured out on the earth for that three-year period. I did mention yesterday, I said it was 3,200 days, actually 2,300 days, I got them mixed up. Um, but the period from the time that the Antichrist um, enters into the temple and defiles the temple, the abomination of desolation, I'll refer to it, um, and until the time that that temple, that, that specific temple is cleansed, there is this period of 2,300 days, which is just short of uh, six and a half years. And so we know that the event of the two uh, key, uh, the key event, sorry, of the two witnesses being revealed into the earth is right at the end of the age. Um, prior to the two witnesses being revealed in the earth, we will go through it beginning, because today we want to look at uh, the person of the Antichrist himself, and also we're going to touch briefly on the person of the false prophet as well, because those are two individuals that are revealed very, uh, uh, they feature very prominently in the end times, as revealed to us in the book of Revelation. Um, and so, but with regards to the person of the Antichrist, he in fact is re uh, revealed in the earth prior to the two witnesses coming into the earth, but his reign does not um, begin until the two witnesses are manifested into the earth. Uh, because the Antichrist's uh, rule, from what we can see in Scripture, is roughly for a period of seven years. So he gets to reign over the fourth kingdom for uh, roughly three and a half years, and it is in the latter part of his reign that he then enters into the temple, and it's during that period that the two witnesses are manifested in the earth. But that's kind of jumping ahead of my, uh, myself today. What I want to do is we're going to start looking at the person of the Antichrist and the person of the false prophet um, so that we can see what Scripture actually reveals to us about these two individuals and it will just help us to have a clearer understanding as to who these individuals are, what they're capable of doing, 
when they will be manifested into the earth, what they will do when they're in the earth. And it will also just help us to uh, get rid of all of the, the weird uh, teachings that are out there that you know points to the Pope as being the Antichrist and Donald Trump as being the Antichrist and Barack Obama as being the Antichrist. There's just so many um, names that get put forward for this particular individual. Um, and obviously it, it, it's, it's, it sells a good copy, so you know, those people make a fair amount of money in what they do and they proclaim these things because people are nervous and they want to know. But we're going to look at what the scripture says about the subject, so we have a clearer idea. And we're able to then obviously identify very clearly what is false and what is true. So the scripture we want to open up with today is in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, beginning at verse 3, down to verse 12. The Apostle Paul had to deal with this issue because even in his day, 2,000 years ago, people were worried about the coming of the Antichrist more than the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But nevertheless, and so he had to deal with it, and so we'll read what uh, the, the Lord had revealed to him to show to the church on this issue. And so he says, let no one deceive you by any means. And again, you see, we said that right at the outset of this series of teachings, is that the Lord places the onus on the church not to be deceived in this area, because it is in this area that deception can take place very easily. Um, and Satan knows that, and so he plays on that. Anyway, so the scripture says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day, talking about the day of the Lord, will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so just on this one point over here, the scripture says, And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is ready to work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed. And so people take that passage of Scripture and say, okay, that's the church. And so when the church is taken out of the earth, well, then the Antichrist can be revealed in the earth. That's not the case at all. And we'll have a look at it as the Scripture goes, uh, as we look into it uh, in more detail, not only today, but over the next uh, couple of teachings. That is not referring to the church at all. The church will be present on the earth when the Antichrist is revealed, because, um, again, in the same passage, the Apostle Paul says, guys, the day of the Lord is not going to come until the lawless one is revealed. And so it's not a case of the, the because the day of the Lord is when the church gets taken out of the earth. Uh, that is the day of the Lord. That is when we will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. 
And uh, so that will not happen until a lawless one is revealed. So it's not the church that is with, uh, restraining the lawless one from being revealed in the earth. It is in fact a, a, another angel and we'll deal with that as we go into this in more de depth. But a couple of points we want to pick up from this passage of scripture, um, which uh, are quite pertinent, dealing with the Antichrist. One of them is the fact that the temple is very important to him because he will desire to sit in the temple of God, showing himself to the world that he is in fact God. And so the, the temple will be a focal point for the person of the Antichrist. Um, now, we had a look at, in, the, in previous teachings, we saw the vehicle that uh, uh, it, it's quite possible will be used to destroy Great Babylon. When we say Great Babylon, he's in fact talking about this world system, particularly the economy of this world. And we said that it is obviously the, the ten uh, Muslim leaders, you can go back on the teaching and just catch up on that, they will be instrumental, God will use them to destroy Babylon. And we said that the vehicle that they will use it will be Muslim extremists who will use um, nuclear devices uh, detonating across the planet simultaneously in uh, the, primarily the, the financial centers of the world, um, which will then bring about the, the, the economy of the world being completely destroyed at that time. And so the point gets raised, well then, if Muslim extremists have access to nuclear capability during that time, what's to prevent them using those nuclear uh, devices against the nation of Israel? Because obviously we know that uh, Muslim extremists would love, dearly love, to destroy Israel as a nation. So if they had that capability, what's to prevent them from actually doing that? Well, the person that would actually prevent them from doing that is in fact the Antichrist himself the leader of that fourth kingdom. And uh, I've already alluded to the fact that he will reign over that kingdom um, at least three and a half years prior to him entering into the temple. And so he's the one who will restrain the Muslim extremists from using nuclear devices in the nation of Israel. Now the reason that he would do that is because the temple is a focal point for him. And he will want to be using the temple to reign um, and display to the, to the earth and to the world that he is in fact God. We see that in this passage of scripture. And so it, it's no good um, Jerusalem being destroyed by a nuclear device and then the temple gets destroyed and the Antichrist then has no place to sit in God's temple because it's not there anymore. And so that's the person who will restrain the Muslim extremists from using nuclear devices in the nation of Israel because um, it's not a very big uh, geographic location and a few nuclear devices in that um, uh, geographic location will make that whole land area completely uninhabitable because of radiation fallout. And so he's the one who will restrain the extremists from using nuclear devices on the nation of Israel. That's the, the logic there. But we also see in this passage of scripture a number of um, characteristics about this particular individual. Uh, in, in this passage alone, he's called the man of sin, he's called the son of perdition, and he's called the lawless one. The apostle John calls him the Antichrist, and that's in 1 John 2.18. In fact, it's only John that refers to him as the Antichrist, but nevertheless, that's one of his titles. In the book of Revelation 13, chapter, four, um, chapter 13, verse 4, he's called the beast. 
And so he has a number of names given to him. It's interesting that the false prophet who's revealed to us in the book of Revelation is actually just revealed to us as the false prophet. But the Antichrist has these different uh, titles given to him. We've seen previously in, in uh, previous teachings that the Antichrist does come out of the Muslim faith. Now, enough said on that point for now. Um, and then he will set himself up as God in the earth and he will not tolerate worship of anyone else other than himself. That is what he, he um, will set him up, himself up to be in the earth, as God in the earth. And as I say, the temple will be his focal point. He will want to sit in that temple, uh, thus displaying to the rest of the world that he, in fact, is God. He will have supernatural powers, because we see that again in this passage of Scripture. Those powers will be given to him by Satan himself. And so he's not going to be an ordinary person. This is not a, um, a charismatic uh, political leader that will rise up in the earth and thus deceive nations to follow after him. Uh, not even like a, a Hitler, for argument's sake, who was very charismatic, I suppose, from the point of view he was able to persuade millions to follow after him. But displayed no supernatural power, because there were, was no supernatural power, but this particular individual, when he is manifested in the earth, will have supernatural powers that will be displayed for all to see. Um, you can book, look in the book of Revelation, we're going to look at it in more depth. Um, he, uh, he calls fire down from heaven in the sight of men. People can see that. Um, and so there will be this element of the supernatural about this person. It's not an ordinary man that uh, will be this person of the Antichrist. And based on his, uh, these powers that are given to him, God says that he will send the nation strong delusion that they believe in him. And so that's exactly what will take place. But we also see in this passage of scripture that uh, currently he is being restrained. So that means that he's currently in existence. Now, when Paul wrote the letter, he was being restrained back then as well. And so this person of the Antichrist is in existence and has been in existence for thousands of years. It's not somebody who's going to be born into the earth over the next generation. Um, not at all. This person is alive today. He's been restrained in a location we're going to deal with the location, and he will only be revealed in the earth when the person who is restraining him is taken out of the way. And that person is the person who um, um, has the key to the bottomless pit, because we'll see in the passages of Scripture as we go through it, that in fact that is where the Antichrist is currently located. He's in the bottomless pit. He's been there uh, for a, quite a long time, and he'll only be let out when God says, okay, now it's his time in the earth, and then the angel will allow him to come out of the bottomless pit, and he will be revealed into the earth. Um, and he will be on the earth until our Lord Jesus Christ returns. Our Lord, for it is our Lord will who, himself who will actually destroy the Antichrist with the breath of his mouth. That is, we've read that in this passage of Scripture as well. And so that's kind of giving us an idea of who this Antichrist is. He has been... Um, he's in existence, he's been in existence for thousands of years already. He's currently been held in a location under the earth in the bottomless pit. We'll have a look at that. And he will only be led out of the bottom, bottomless pit when God the Father says, okay, now is his time, he can come out. 
and the one who is restraining him will be taken out of the way and thus he will be manifested into the earth. He will be on the earth when our Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth for it is our Lord Jesus himself who will destroy him with the breath of his mouth. And so that kind of gives us some insight into this person of the Antichrist so we can understand why it would not be the current Pope, why it would not be the current President of the United States. It's always people that, you know, weird people don't like. Well, that's the Antichrist. Well, obviously it's not. Um, so what would be the extent of his reign? Because uh, look at this passage of Scripture, Revelation 13, verse 7. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. That is speaking about the person of the Antichrist. And so the, the Bible is very clear that he gets given authority over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And so everybody looks to, there's also this, um, there's a very strong a theory out there that there's going to be a one-world religion, a one-world government, um, and that will all be headed up by this person of the Antichrist. And you know that with the mark of the beast is going to be microchips implanted into people's bodies, and you will not be able to buy or sell unless you have this microchip placed within you. Well, all of that is, uh, you know, it's nice to make money, I suppose, and, and sell copy, but it's not the Bible. Um, there is not going to be a one-world religion. Uh, there will not be a one-world government. Um, but why do we see in Scripture that this particular person does have authority over every tribe, tongue, and nation? Well, again, let's go back to what we have dealt with in the series thus far. We have seen very clearly in Scripture that when our Lord returns to the earth, that there will be four major kingdoms in the earth. Now, of the four major kingdoms, it is the fourth one that over which the Antichrist himself will reign. We've established in this series thus far that that fourth kingdom is the kingdom of Islam. Um, and we said that the, the kingdom, because the Bible says that it's a kingdom that is different to all other kingdoms, um, is a kingdom of faith first before it is a secular kingdom. And that is the, the kingdom from which the Antichrist will come and over which he will reign. But he will not reign over the whole earth. The other three kingdoms will not be able to challenge his power because he will be all-powerful in the earth. But nevertheless, he will not reign over them. And so there will not be a one-world government. There won't be a one-world religion. Um, the Muslim faith will be very prominent in the earth, we said. Um, at its current growth rate by the year 2030, which is not very far away, uh, it will encompass a quarter of the globe. 25% of the world's population will be within the Muslim faith. So it will be very powerful in the earth, but nevertheless, there will not be this one world religion. For if that were the case, then the whole world would adopt the religion of Islam. And that's not going to happen. It will come very close to that during that three and a half year period. The false prophet uh, and the Antichrist will extend that religion into the earth, um, but nevertheless, it will still not, they will not reign over the whole earth. Because the other three kingdoms will be in existence um, when our Lord Jesus Christ does return to the earth. And we kind of identify those three kingdoms as being the United States of America, Russia, and China. Those are the three uh, global superpowers that are in, in the earth today. And there are no other powers in the earth that can challenge those three 
um, superpowers in the earth. Uh, they're, they're military, economic and um, political might in the earth goes unchallenged really. There's no other nations that come close to those three. Now things might change dramatically in the earth between now and when the Antichrist is revealed. I don't think so. I think that we kind of have seen the, the four kingdoms already established in the earth. Those three plus uh, the kingdom of Islam. Anyway, the, we still have to get around the point that in Revelation 13, 7, the scripture says very plainly, God says it, all authority is given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. So how do we get around the fact that the Bible says he gets to have authority over all, and yet we say actually he actually only reigns over a, a fourth kingdom, not over all. Well, we can, have, we can explain that by going back to Daniel. We started out this series looking at Daniel and the visions given to him by God about the end times. And we'll go back and we'll have a look to have a clearer understanding of why it is that God can say he has authority over all of the nations and yet at the same time not literally rule over all of the nations. So let's go back and we look at it in Daniel chapter 2 verse 31 to 39. This is now Daniel given Nebuchadnezzar the interpretation of the dream that God had given him about the end times. And really that's when God started to teach us about the end times, when he gave Nebuchadnezzar that dream. That was the first time that God started to speak into the earth of end time events that, that will unfold as we draw to the end of the age. Prior to that, God had not really said too much about it. But Nebuchadnezzar's dream, interesting, a Gentile king gets given the dream, the opening dream that God brings uh, revelation into the earth about the end times. Anyway, let's look, look at that dream. And from this dream, we can more clearly understand what God means when he says that the Antichrist rules over all the nations, or has authority over all the nations, and yet, in fact, he actually doesn't physically rule over all the nations. Verse 31, you, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. The image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. Verse 36, this is the dream. Now we will tell you the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory, and what, wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand, and has made you ruler over all of them. You are this head of gold. Verse 39. But after you shall arise a kingdom inferior to yours, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And so we've already identified, obviously, I mean, the, the, the kingdom uh, of Babylon was the gold head. Um, Daniel says that very plainly. And then the next kingdom that arose after that was the median kingdom. That was the one of silver. And then the, the third one was the kingdom of bronze, which is the kingdom of Persia. Now, in this interpretation, Daniel's speaking by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So we, this is God speaking. And he says about the Babylonian kingdom that um, God had made him ruler over all, over them all, um, wherever the children of men dwell. 
Now, we know historically, in a, if we look at historical records, that the, the Babylonian kingdom was a very powerful kingdom and it had a, a vast influence. But that influence, geographically speaking, stretched from Egypt through to modern-day India, basically. Um, it never spanned the whole globe. And so God said in that, that wherever the children of men dwell, now at that time there were children of men dwelling in China, South America, North America, Africa, and yet Nebuchadnezzar, whom God said, I've given them all into your hand, you rule over them all. Half of the, the planet didn't even know him. They didn't know he existed. And he didn't know they existed. His, his understanding of the world at that time was what he could see. Um, and didn't know that Australia was out there on the planet. You know, they, 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 uh, the point I'm trying to get across here is that even though God said, I've given them all into your hand, all who dwell on the earth uh, you rule over, that's not actually what transpired in the practical. So, you know, there's a bit of a, uh, 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 a con not a contrast, that's not the word I'm looking for. Um, you know, what God says in, on the one hand is not tying up with what we see historically. And then we have a look at the third kingdom. That's the second kingdom we know was inferior, but it doesn't say too much about it. But the third kingdom, uh, God says, which shall rule over all the earth. Now, that was the Persian kingdom. Now, the Persian kingdom was greater than the Babylonian kingdom in that it reached its influence all the way up into Greece, uh, through to um, Egypt and through to North India. So it was, it was a vast kingdom. But again, it didn't span the entire globe. And yet God said, you shall rule over all the earth. This particular kingdom will rule over all the earth. So why is it that what God says in Scripture and what we see actually in historical accounts are in opposition to each other? They actually don't match up. The reason for that is, is because God sees differently to the way we see it. We look at the geographic uh, extent of these kingdoms, we say, God, did you miss it? These kingdoms didn't extend over all, the, all of the globe. And God kind of doesn't answer us, but it, we can pick it up from Scripture as to what God is saying. God looks at things in the spirit realm. He doesn't look at it in the natural. And so when God says to a kingdom, I've made you the ruler over all the earth, that's in the realm of the spirit. They have authority over all of the earth. So. Again, let's go back to Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. At the time that that kingdom was in existence in the earth, there were empires in China, there were dynasties in South America, powerful dynasties. But those same dynasties could not challenge the power of the Babylonian Empire at that time. They never wanted to. They didn't, almost maybe even didn't know it existed. But nevertheless, um, they would not have been able to challenge the authority of the Babylonian Empire or the Persian Empire for that matter. For, uh, and so from that point of view, God had given to these two empires rulership over all of the earth. And so because they were the most powerful empires in the earth at the time. Now, bring that concept over into um, today's, well, going into the future really, and looking at the person of the Antichrist, um, his kingdom will be the most powerful kingdom in the earth by far. The other three kingdoms will be powerful, but not powerful enough to challenge his might. And so from that point of view, he will have authority over all of the earth. But literally, no, he will not be ruling and reigning over all of the earth. Because as we go into it, we will see that during his reign, which is a short period of time, 
Uh, the, the false prophet will be going out into the earth to try and extend his reign into the earth and try and convince nations to, to come into the fold of the fourth kingdom. But it's not going to happen that all the, the earth will bow down and start worshipping him. So there will not be the one world government. He will try to do that. There will not be the one world religion. He will try to do that. But he will not be able to bring it uh, about given the time that he's given in the earth is very short. But nevertheless, there's no kingdoms on the earth during his reign that will be powerful enough to challenge his reign. But geographically speaking, he will not reign over all of the earth. He will reign over the fourth kingdom only. And so purely from an authoritative point of view, because don't forget he gets his authority given to him by Satan. We saw that in Thessalonians. And so Satan is the god of this earth. And as the god of this earth, Satan does rule over all of the earth. Um, and so that is the, 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 the authority that would be given to the Antichrist. But it will actually not work out in the natural that every single nation will bow down before him and worship him. It will not work out in the natural that every single nation will adopt the religion of Islam under him. Uh, that won't happen. So that's kind of just trying to explain why God says, I've made you ruler of all the earth, but in fact, not all the earths are impacted by his rulership. It's because we go back to Daniel's uh, dream and we kind of understand what God is saying when he does say that. So let's have a look at some more, uh, because we want in, in this today's teaching and over the next month's probably a couple of teachings, because the person of the Antichrist, uh, that we do, you know, there's quite a lot revealed to us in Scripture about him, and we just need to know as much as we can, so that we don't get sidelined by all the silly things like, you know, it's the latest, the newest Pope, or it's the newest American president, or the Russian president, or Chinese president. That is the Antichrist. That's not the case at all. Let's have a look at some more scripture. We wanted, I've alluded to the fact that he's in the bottomless pit, so let's have a look at what the scripture actually does say about that. Revelation 17, 8. The scripture says, The beast that you saw was and is not, and will ascend where? Out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life, from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was and is not, and yet is. And so that's very, as plain as we can get, that's, that passage of scripture is talking about the Antichrist. And so the angel says to uh, the Apostle John, might be the elder speaking at this time, no, it's, it's the angel speaking, um, says to the Apostle John, the beast that you saw, because he gets to see an image of a beast and a vision, and that's the Antichrist, he says he was, he is not, and he will ascend out of the bottomless pit. So we know where he is now. He's currently in the bottomless pit because that's where he's going to ascend out of. Now the fact that the, the, the angel says that he was and is not, um, and yet is and will ascend out of the bottomless pit, was means that he has been in existence for a long time. Is not means that he's not on the earth currently, will ascend out of the bottomless pit, that's where he's currently being housed. And so that's the person of the Antichrist. He's in the bottomless pit, but he was on this earth thousands of years ago. And we're going to be picking up on some scripture along that line. But he's also a man. Revelation 13, 18 says to us that he has the number of 666, which is the number of a man. And so we're starting to see the person of the Antichrist as to who he is. 
he is a man, but he's, a, he's not an ordinary man because no man can go into the bottomless pit and ascend out of the bottomless pit. Um, because whoever goes into the bottomless pit, man is killed and, and, and they die. Now, I, spiritually, they don't cease to exist. They go into the bottomless pit. A bottomless pit, um, there are different terms again given to that location in, in the earth today. You, it's Hades, it's hell, um, it's the abyss, the bottomless pit, uh, outer darkness. All of those terms refer to the same location. Now, there are different levels there, and there's different, we're not going to get into a study today about uh, the bottomless pit. But nevertheless, the Antichrist, the person of the Antichrist, is currently being held there and um, will only be, re be released in his own time. But he is also a man, but a very extraordinary man. He's not a normal man, because every other man who's ever gone in there has died physically. Their bodies have been destroyed, and they've gone down there in spirit, and they've been held down there in torment until their day of judgment. They will be raised up from the, the dead and they will be judged and then cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. But this individual is there and will ascend out of the bottomless pit in his current form. Um, <clears throat> and he's, he's, he's currently being held. And the Bible does talk about the fact that there is a key to the bottomless pit and the the angel will release him from that because we see in the book of revelation that the angel binds satan and um binds him and throws him and his angels into the bottomless pit and we do see that there's another angel in the book of revelation that opens the bottomless pit takes the key opens the bottomless pit and we have that uh, plague of uh, a swarm of locust type creatures that come out of the bottomless pit. There's a lot of weird stuff down there. Um, you know, our Lord said something to us one time. He said, guys, how are you going to believe um, that if I tell you of the heavenly things and you can't believe that the earthly things I tell you, how are you going to believe if I tell you heavenly things? And so, you know, <laughs> there's also some weird stuff in, in, in the middle of the earth, under, under the earth at the moment, that uh, as far as we can see in scripture, it sounds like science fiction. But it's legitimate stuff. It's all, you know, it's in the Bible. Anyway, so that's where the Antichrist is currently housed. So how did he get down there? Because, you know, we, we know that he was. The angel said he was. He is not, meaning he was on the earth at one time. He's not on the earth right now. Um, but he will, and he's going to ascend out of the bottomless pit. So he was on the earth at one time. He was then cast down into the bottomless pit. Um, so how did he get down there? What did he, uh, who is he? How did he land up down there? What did he do that God deemed it necessary to house him in the bottomless pit? Because he is a man. What man is so dangerous to God? Not dangerous to God. That's not the, the, the right way of putting it across. What man is so dangerous that God will not allow to roam around free on the earth? You know, if he's a man, he's a man. What, man men can't really do anything, really. Um, it's really all of Satan's power on that side of the kingdom. Um, and under the kingdom of God, it's God's power. Even, even um, mighty men of God who are used mightily of the Lord in and of themselves, we have no power. 
It's only angels who have power and might in this age. Men don't have power. We have what is given to us by God and made manifest through us by God. So we're earthen vessels, simple as that. The Holy Spirit who manifests uh, himself through the church at the moment. And it's demonic spirits that manifest themselves through Satan's followers. But people, men, they have no inherent power in and of themselves. So even though this person is a man, uh, he has powers that are different to normal mankind. And so we need to understand why that is. And so we can go back all the way to Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 to 4. Because now we want you to understand more about this person called the Antichrist. Verse, uh, scripture says, Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful. And they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Verse 4. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. And so this passage of scripture, a very small little passage, but it's very enlightening for us because this is where the Antichrist and the false prophet, by the way, came from. What happened was, is that this, is, uh, this incident occurred prior to the flood. This is prior to even Noah's day. It was probably in Noah's day, just before Noah's day. In fact, it was in Noah's day that this incident occurred. What happened is that angelic beings, part of Satan's realm, but not um, endorsed by Satan, these angels rebelled even against Satan's authority. And what they did, they, the scripture says, uh, when the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful. Now the sons of God referred to in this passage of scripture are in fact angelic beings. They look upon the daughters of men that have been born into the earth and they um, decided that they wanted to go cohabit with the daughters of men. And that's why the scripture says, they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Now that is completely contrary to God's um, uh, rulership. Because God has deemed that there shall be no cross-breeding between um, species. And so that's why bestiality is something that is abhorred by God. Um, because men and, and animals, God says no ways, you just don't do that. Um, but nevertheless, that did happen. And it does happen in the earth today, we know that. Um, but it happened under in, in one very specific case where God pronounced judgment, and that is in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. The scripture says that they gave themselves over to strange flesh. That's what they were going into. They were into bestiality, and God destroyed those cities. We know that. Now, what had happened here, these angelic beings had decided that they would go and cohabit with the sons of men. So the scripture is very plain, sons of God, sons of men, daughters of men, should I say. The daughters of men being mankind and the sons of God being angelic beings. So they rebelled against even Satan's authority. These particular angels, they went down and they cohabited with women and they had offspring. And their offspring were mighty men of renown. Because why is that? Because their offspring would have been half angel half, or half human. Um, and so that's where the person of the Antichrist and the false prophet came from. So, but God did something about that. God obviously did not leave that situation as it was, because that was 
a, a, a situation that God could not tolerate in the earth. Now, again, as I said to you, these angels were under Satan's authority initially. They were part of his realm that rebelled against God. But these angels, these particular grouping of angels, even rebelled against Satan. Satan did not endorse what they were doing. Because had Satan done that, God would have held him accountable. And God would have then been able to destroy Satan. Satan knows his bounds, and he didn't uh, step outside of those bounds. Um, you know, he knew he was judged, but he was not going to be judged before the end of the age. These angels rebelled completely. God judged these angels and God cast all of these angels into the bottomless pit where they're being held over for their judgment. Now when God did that, he also cast their offspring into the bottomless pit. And we picked that up in Jude. Jude gives us some input on this issue. Jude chapter uh, 1 verse 6 and 7. Scripture says, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, their proper domain, angelic beings and men, mankind are not to intermingle. Uh, God has deemed that angels will live in their domain, mankind will live in his domain. And we're not to um, mix from that point of view. They didn't keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has, talking about God, has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. And so that's what God did to them. He, God took these angels who had now transgressed completely. They had gone outside of their domain. They had gone into the realm of mankind. They had cohabited with women and they had um, offspring had been born to them. And so God judged them and God bound them and put them into the bottomless pit. Those angels are there right now. And they're in darkness and they're in chains of darkness and they're waiting for their day of judgment. Now, Satan and his angels are not in that location. Satan and his angels are actually still in the spirit, in the heavenly realm. The Bible te teaches us that there are wicked spirits in the heavenlies. And the Bible does teach us that at the end of the age, Michael and his angels will fight against Satan and his angels and cast him out of heaven to the earth. And so Satan and his angels are not where these angels are. These angels rebelled even against Satan's authority. And God has cast them down into the bottomless pit. But God has also cast down to the, into the bottomless pit their offspring. Because their offspring are not godly. Because their offspring are part angel, part man. Now angels cannot die. That is part of how God has created them. Their bodies cannot die. Their bodies are immortal. So we're getting in a bit of an understanding as to the person of the Antichrist and in, including the false prophet. Their bodies are also immortal because their bodies have come from angelic beings who are immortal beings. And that is why God could cast them down into the bottomless pit. And they do not die because they're part angel. And so they're a hybrid being. They're part man, part angel. And that is why they can be in the bottomless pit and God can allow them to be brought out of the bottomless pit to go around on the earth in the last days. But that's also why God can't allow them to live on the earth because they can't die. And so those two individuals, uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet, and there might be more. The Bible does talk about offspring. doesn't say how many. Um, but had God allowed those two to remain on the earth, they would still be on the earth today. They would never have died. And so everybody would recognize, okay, these guys are different. They don't die. Um, and so that's why God also judged them and put them in the bottomless pit. But Jude goes on to say, well, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Jude goes on to say in verse 7, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, to these angels, 
having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as, as an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So Sodom and Gomorrah went after strange flesh. They went into bestiality. These angels went after strange flesh because they went after the daughters of men. And so that is what God judged. And that's where the person of the Antichrist and the false prophet come from, from this incident which occurred in Noah's day prior to the flood. And so God then obviously destroyed the whole earth as well at that time. Um, but those whom he could not kill because they were now immortal, he cast into the bottomless pit and they're being reserved there for their judgment, the angels and the Antichrist, the person of the Antichrist and the false prophet are being held there until God says, okay, you can let them out and let them do what um, Satan wants them to do in the earth because God also will fulfill his purposes through that um, event of the Antichrist being made manifest into the earth. Because remember we said, we saw in the passage, God will send the earth strong delusion through these two individuals. Why? Because they chose not to believe the truth that they might be saved. And so God says, okay, you don't want to accept my gospel? Here's another one. Accept that one. And they will. They will accept the gospel of the Antichrist. And so our Lord did say in Luke 20, 36, that angels cannot die. And so that is why these two individuals cannot die. And these two individuals, when we look at that, we'll see later on in the teaching, they get cast into the lake of fire brimstone. They, these are the two, they are the first two to be cast into the lake of fire brimstone, uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet. And the Bible says very clearly they are cast alive into the lake of fire and brimstone. Because why? They cannot be killed. Why? Because they are immortal beings, because they are part angel, part man. It is pointed to man wants to die, and after that the judgment. Not appointed to angels to die. Angels, our Lord said, are immortal. They cannot die. And so that is what the person of the Antichrist is. And that's why they will be cast alive into the lake of fire and brimstone. Um, now, because they are part angel, part man, angels have power and might. The Bible is very plain to us on that issue. That uh, angels had their own inherent power given to them. When God created them, he gave them certain powers. You have angel, an angel over, who has power over the fire. You have an angel who has power over the winds. You have an angel who has power over the waters. Angels have these, these supernatural powers given to them by God. Now, these two individuals also have supernatural powers because they are part angel. And so they're very different to Barack Obama, uh, Donald Trump, and the Pope. Um, they kind of just kind of debunks all of the weird stuff that is out there. These are very powerful beings that will come onto the earth during that time. That is why also when that confrontation takes place between the Lord's two prophets, uh, Moses and Elijah, and the Antichrist, who wins? The Antichrist. Why? Because Moses and Elijah cannot kill him because he is immortal. Whereas Moses and Elijah are mortal and they can die. So that's the difference. Um, another passage of scripture just to highlight the truth to us about the Antichrist uh, being completely different to mankind, even when he is manifest in the earth, in fact him and, and the false prophet, when they are manifested into the earth, they're just not going to be able to, you know, they're just not going to, they'll, they'll, they'll be able to rule and they'll be able to converse and they'll be able to interact 
but there's going to be this separation because they are different beings. They're not the same. And we pick it up in Daniel chapter 2, 41 and 43. The scripture says, again, Daniel speaking about that vision. And he says, Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron, partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. Now this is the one I want to pick up, verse 43. And as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. So it says here, they will mingle with the seed of men but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And so here we have the picture of the, the false prophet and the Antichrist mingling with the seed of men, but they, can't, they won't adhere to each other because iron and clay can't mix, and angel and man can't mix. And so these two individuals know that they are superior beings to the men that they will be interacting with when they come to the earth. Because they're immortal, men are mortal. They have supernatural powers, the men don't. And so they, they will recognize, and they, they know, I mean, they, they're, they're, not, they're not foolish beings, they, they're, they're very intelligent beings, and they're in the, the, the bottom, bottomless pit. They know what, what is in store for them. And so when they come to the earth, they will recognize that as far as dealing with mankind, even the people who are worshiping them and who are doing what they, they, they tell them to do, they will know we're actually far superior than these people that we're dealing with. And so they'll mingle with them, but they will not be, they will not be, they will not be a, a true connection because they cannot be, because they will be superior beings. Um, and that's the, the picture that is shown to us in the earth, that the person of the Antichrist and the person of the false prophet will view themselves as being godlike in the earth, and obviously the, the Bible is very plain. He sets himself as God in the earth. And he demands that everybody worships him as God. Now he can do that because he will be a superior being. And the false prophet obviously with him as well. Uh, compared to even the most loyal followers who do the everybody. The most loyal followers will still be men. And they will be superior. Part angel, part man type being. And so that's why they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not be able to adhere to one another. They will just, angel and, and man are two different beings, simple as that. And so that's the person of the Antichrist. There's much more we have to uh, learn about the individual. We're not going to go any further today. Um, that's given us in, enough of a background. We'll carry on uh, picking up the points, but it just shows us who this person is. It's not any uh, charismatic politician. It's not any charismatic uh, religious leader out there. These people, the two of them uh, that our Lord will allow to come into the earth, are powerful beings. Uh, they're part angel, part man. And we're going to end the teaching on that particular point.